Welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 399. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Hi. Uh, This week on the show, we will be taking a look at this year's Slamdance Film Festival, which just ended. Uh, we got three reviews lined up for you. We got A Black Rift Begins to Yawn, got Taipei Suicide Story, and we have The Sleeping Negro. We'll also be going over some of watch on the watch list and going over this week's new releases on Beauty and Blu-ray. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes if you get a moment. That'd be very helpful. We're still trying to coordinate with Ryan. He got his second COVID shot this week and didn't want to record. Well, I mean, I, I have read, you know, a number of people being like laid up for the day. Like you get a fever, or, you know. Not everyone does, but some yeah, this, do. the, yeah. Apparently, Maybe he just like he's prepping. He just stays home. He just yeah. He's just he's like I'm just clearing the day, clearing the day. I'm just gonna sit still, just soak it in. Yeah, with those. I, I would probably do the same thing too. And all right, let's uh, let's jump into some some slam dance now. Slam dance was virtual this year, so anybody could see all of the slam dance movies, their format was really good uh, compared to some of the other virtual. Oh yeah. Uh, some of the other virtual started. ones. <laughs> like this one was so easy in comparison to, to a lot of the other ones. 10 bucks, everything. Yeah. And it is so easy to navigate. It's just movies. They're just there. You just, you know, you can just look, pick one no issues whatsoever it was just it was perfect yeah they it seemed like they used vimeo as their underlying video player so there obviously were no issues there you know it's it's funny like when sundance did their virtual thing i was like pretty excited because it looked like the platform was going to be really organized and easy but it turned out to be a very cumbersome <laughs> process to see these movies especially for you <laughs> yeah oh yeah dude yeah i don't think you talked yeah. about that on air but kevin had a no. lot of issues with Fuck the them. sundance stuff and there's pieces of shit oh god but yeah slam dance was was really easy and i mean you can't beat that price ten ten dollars for a pass i mean that's that's a really good deal yeah. so uh props to them for for putting together a really solid virtual festival. And it was like long too. So like they, you know, like um, South by Southwest is coming up and, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate in that I have a bit of early access to the, to the movies, but uh, the, the film festival's like, it's like four days or something. So you got to cram so much in, in such a little amount of time. Yeah. And, and Sundance was felt like it was that way too, where, it just didn't feel like there was enough time, but with, with Slam Dance, they gave you tons of time to watch whatever you wanted. It was just, I don't know, I liked it. Same here. Uh, so, good job, Slam Dance. Keep up the, the good work. I will continue supporting your endeavors, even if sometimes I feel like the lineups aren't great. Let's talk about what we saw there. 
I think we'll we'll begin with a black rift begins to yawn. This is the latest from director Matthew Wade. This was I can't remember the the program that this was screening in. It was it was not the main slate because with yeah. Slam Dance, I forget if what it's called. If it was called, I'm not like not Spotlight, but it was like the equivalent of that program. I want to say Breakouts. Yeah, that could be it. So. That program is for directors who have a previously released feature, at least one previously released feature. If you're familiar, the way that Slam Dance works is that there's a there's a budget limit for the films that screen there, and and any films in the main slate have to be debuts for the director. So uh, this is screening as part of that other program. I have a synopsis here. Two women work on a mysterious project that distorts their memories of time, place, and identity. Kevin, we'll start it with you, because I don't really have much to say about this. <laughs> what did you think of A Black Rift Begins to Yawn? Uh, I was really excited for this. Uh, this was on my most anticipated from the beginning of the year on that episode, um, because I was uh, a pretty big fan of How the Sky Will Melt. It's just some nonchalant mindfuckery going on in that movie. And this seemed really promising. A lot of potential. Really like the idea behind it. And I know I say this a lot, but this is a tough one. Because visually, I enjoyed a lot of this movie. All right? And essentially, it's just Matthew Wade kind of like zeroing in on that the cosmic horror of... H.P. Lovecraft, and just not like the creatures or anything, but just kind of like the psychological angle of it. And like visually, it's great. It's got this pink purple haze fog going on that's like imbued in like every frame. Um, there was a lot of nice work in terms of kind of like the images dissolving into each other, kind of like highlighting this this loss of identity for these women. You know, the image is bleeding and everything. There's some great uh, nature shots, just really incredible stuff. But like the the story, like the narrative, there's just there's not really anything going on. And for me specifically, because I have a really difficult time with this kind of thing, is so much of this is when characters are talking. Like they're just reading research notes, really. Like, that's about it. And just that kind of, like, mundane dictation, like, I can't can't handle it. Especially if there's not subtitles. Like, I just, it's just sounds to me. Like, it just completely, in one ear and right out the other. Like, it just doesn't stick at all. I am in 100% agreement with you. I had, like, I've, I've watched this, like, I don't know. It was more than a week ago now, and I'm just really struggling to remember anything that happens in it. Like, I don't think anything. I'm not sure. Like, I remember people standing around. I remember the note reading, but I just really... It was just such a struggle for me to to remain engaged with this, even though I completely agree with you also that it's... On a visual level, it's right up my alley. I mean, this, this is like exactly a style that I'm really into. 
Uh, I just, it was such a struggle for me to pay attention and, and like just hold, figure out what was going on because I just, so little, so little happened. Lots of just people standing around doing nothing. Like there's just like three minute shots of just people standing on a porch, mm-hmm. just standing yes. there. Yes. And it's just like, man, I just, I feel like movies like this, that it, it just is so challenging to an audience. And I just yeah. really, yeah, I just really struggled with it. I, I love the poster, by the way. I want to point that out. That yes. The poster is also really incredible. Which he drew. So you have, like, he's the director, he's the writer, he's the editor, he's the composer. I think he even did, like, the color grade in the movie. Like, he does, and he did the poster. And, like, there's a part of me that really appreciates this attempt at, like, trying to capture, like, the psychological terror of, like, Lovecraft instead of, you know, going the the typical route of, like, the creatures and everything. Um, But I just kept waiting for more, and there was like hints of it, like, like something was developing and something, you know, was going to occur at some point, especially the way that it's kind of broken up into, I think it was like three, three parts, Mm -hmm. three chapters. Yeah. You know, I get like, I was like, Oh, okay. The the black rift, it's starting. Now we're going to have something, something's going to happen. But again, the, just the, the dialogue that you do get here is just, mere dictation which again is on a personal level just like i can't handle like i can't do it i just couldn't get into it man like at the end of the day it just it wasn't it wasn't for me even though the i loved the soundtrack the, the score was incredible loved the visuals loved that kind of hazy purple look but there's just nothing there there's just nothing for me to hold on to and I just, it's like, there's like hints in here of something that could be really great. I think that if, if Matthew Wade has a, a solid script that has more substance to it, I think that he can adapt his visual style to something that's like really incredible, but this ain't it. No, no, it, it, it hints to that potential throughout but it just never it's never elevated up to that level yeah uh all right let's go ahead and give this a score (sighs) this is a really tough one for me because yeah because you almost want to score it separately yeah um visually and you know all those filmmaking aspects and then rate it like narrative wise uh, oh, jeez. Uh, I don't even... <laughs> this is so hard for me because I feel bad. Uh, I really do because I think that I think that he's a really talented guy. But I, the thing that makes it even worse is... The thing that makes it difficult is... Like, you want more movies like this. Maybe not exactly like this, but, you know, at least that... That creativity and that, you know, like, it has a completely different look to it than... You know, the whole atmosphere of this movie is completely different than what you normally see, which I want more of. It's a two for me. A twofer. 
I'm gonna <laughs> go. Kidding. I'm gonna go like a, a four, four and a half. Yeah, I just I can't. I can't. I mean, yeah, it's visually pleasing. It's got a great soundtrack, all of that. But uh, also, I didn't find the performances to be very compelling either. I thought that the performances were a bit lackluster. They were pretty weak, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, they not. They don't really have much to do, anyways. No. All right. Uh, so that's the Black Rift begins to yawn. Something tells me we'll see that pop up on like No Budge at some point. Uh, let's move on and talk about Taipei Suicide Story. This is directed by Kef. Is that correct? Yes. The director Kef. just goes by Kef? Kef. All right. Okay. Well, all right. Um, I have a synopsis here. A receptionist at a suicide hotel in Taipei forms a fleeting friendship over the course of one night with a guest who can't decide if she wants to live or die. Uh, I meant to look this up before we talked about it but is that a that surely cannot be a real thing right i don't i don't know i it's presented as such in here where it's like this is just it's enormous like it has its whole backstory too of like people camping out and protesting and then people losing interest but yeah i don't know if that's a real thing or not i have to look at this i, I don't want to know i i, I don't believe that it is a real thing. But see, to me, that makes it, that makes this movie, it kind of elevates it a little bit more for me. The fact that this takes place in a world where these suicide hotels exist. So in, in this film, you have a hotel that the movie takes place largely inside this hotel that's specifically designed for people to go and kill themselves. And, the hotel like will accommodate you if you want something specific, i.e. razor blades, and they'll be sent up to you. And they have like a dedicated cleaning crew that comes in and takes care of, you know, the aftermath. And as the synopsis says, it's about this um you know, ho- this receptionist who ends up forming a slight bond with uh this this young woman who is a guest at the hotel and i thought that this was this movie was great it's only 45 minutes long so i really question how it ended up in the narrative feature category like i don't really i think i'm so happy for this though because i want there to be a more robust mid-length feature I don't. I don't know if I would even call this a feature. Like it's forty-five minutes. You, I mean, come on. Yeah, that's perfect. Perfect. People got shit to do. Great. I, yeah, but and the, the that, best part fun. about this is there's like, in terms of this film, it's it's done in a very efficient manner. There's no fat to it. It's nice and lean. You get in, you get like you don't. I to me, I'm not thinking. You know, this is perfectly developed. I'm not thinking like if you add more to this, then I'm like, oh, okay, now you're just padding the runtime to force this into a feature. Let's let's open that up. Let's make that more of a natural, uh, normal thing. Let's normalize that. But in order to get the filming, let's have a nice forty-five crisp, brisk. Let's get to the point. Let's get it done. Let's yeah, move I, on with it. It's I'm perfect. I love it. I'm not complaining about the runtime. I'm just 
questioning whether or not it should be considered a feature at, or short film. See, it's people like you. That's this is who we're fighting against. Mm, mm-hmm. So you don't. So really, the, you're you're saying that there shouldn't be even any distinction between the two. It should just be film should be film and not categorized based on time. Yeah, that'd be nice. I mean, I agree I like with that. you that that if this movie was a short film, a I wouldn't see it, and see. b a lot of other people wouldn't see it because when you have short film programs and film festivals, there's like a hundred and fifty of them. And they all, they very, very often, uh, you know, play second fiddle to feature feature length films. And I, I do, I do think that that's, that's a shame. And the, the thing that's a kind of a bummer about that playing second fiddle is the, the majority of the times the features are not good at a lot of festivals. Like the features are just, they're not good. And a lot of them are like, you know, looking at like Sundance and stuff like that, where it's like, you just have these, you know, how many times have we lopped that criticism at a feature where it's like, this could have been a short film. It's just, you know, right. It's just drawn out. Yeah. Well, this talking about this movie, uh, I agree with you that it is, it's brisk, it's lean, it gets in, it gets out, it does its thing, but it also, and and, and it also feels complete. Like it has a very defined beginning, middle, and end, and it is it does exactly what it sets out to do, and it tells this really kind of thought provoking touching story that I just kind of I was just immediately enthralled by this movie, and i for me this is this is the the top the top pick of slam dance in what I saw at least I didn't see everything but this was by far my top pick. Well, Slam dance agree with you because I think this pretty much won like all the awards. I, you know, I didn't even I, I I meant to look at the the winners, but I didn't even get a chance to look I at think the winners. It won best feature, I think. Uh, Tender Pong, the the guy that plays the receptionist, mm. I think he won for acting. It's so good. Uh, I, I just yeah, I, I think really it, everything about this movie is just firing on all cylinders for me and i i i loved it i loved the the cinematography uh the just the premise just the premise alone and and that's the thing like i feel like you could you could make a longer movie out of this this concept of like a suicide you could even make a a tv series out of it you know and and there's 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 a lot of material here that I think you could explore with this concept. Yeah. I think the the best thing for it is a 45 minute long mid mid length feature. I think that's that's how it works best. But I do I do enjoy uh like I the surface level of this I think is great like the world building, the fact that me and you are both like is this an actual thing in Taipei? Like just like an effortless world built in here where it's kind of, you know, futuristic, but not in the typical sense. Really appreciated this kind of like the this subtext to it where like in the beginning when he first encounters her and kind of like chastise her, you know, you have to make a decision, this and that. And then he kind of apologizes for his selfishness a little bit later on. 
and then how that selfishness essentially follows the whole way through until the end. And it seems to be more about that is his selfishness in terms of of what's going on here and his decision making. I just, I thought this was really, really great. Really uh, a contemplative little mid feature length. And like you, I was sold right off the bat. Like I was just into it, like right off the bat. As soon as it, as soon as it kind of set up everything, I was in. Yeah, this, yeah, really strong, really strong for me. Um, Which is this? This is the difficult thing, though, because what's the market for a forty-five minute? Right. Yeah, like where where is this gonna show up? You know, maybe movie. Yeah, like movie seems like a good place for this. Maybe maybe like one of these newer services like Kino Now or something could yeah put it out. But and that see that's the beautiful thing too. Now with everything, there's so many different streaming services. Everyone's really relying upon streaming services. Like these are perfect for streaming services. Oh yeah, yeah. Definitely won't end up in theaters. It's way too short to be in theaters unless it's lumped with something else. Yeah. Uh, all right, that's Taipei love uh, love story. Well, it's in a way. Uh, Taipei suicide story. For me, this is like an, I'm like an eight and a half, nine. Yeah, probably nine, nine for me on this one. Oh, look at you, forty five minutes, and see, you would have never watched if I told you, hey, it's a short film, forty five minutes long. You would have been like, no, nope, not even right. And I'm not even going to remember the name of this. May I mean I watch a I watch a decent number of short films throughout the year, but they yes that I agree that that they don't take priority for me and they should, and they should I remember there was one year where I was like I'm gonna watch more short films this year and then I just never did I just never did it I mean we like we I try to champion short films on the website I mean we did a whole virtual film festival like several years ago and and had a lot of short films on there so i i think of myself as a champion of short film just maybe not on the same level as you yeah all right let's talk about oh did you give a score i same as you i'd say eight and a half nine let's talk about our, our our last feature that is uh was at slam dance the sleeping negro this is directed by skinner myers I have a synopsis here. Confronted with a series of racially charged incidents, a young black man must overcome rage, alienation, and hopelessness in order to find his own humanity. Uh, This is one that I actually liked uh, quite a bit as well. I had had a few issues with it. This is also pretty short. It's only 73 minutes, which, again, I, I think that this was a really... This was a good runtime. This is this is one where I feel like if it was much longer, it might start losing me. But yeah. it it was very it was to the point. Um, I feel like also maybe this is one where they didn't quite know how to end it. But uh, overall, I enjoyed the Sleeping Negro. I I don't know. I feel like this is one of these movies where I'm not. <sighs> I'm not the right person to review or discuss a movie like this. Yeah. Oh yeah. I can definitely see that. 
I mean, the thing that I will say, because, yeah, it is, it is the difficult thing to, we aren't the right people. Uh, but the, in terms of, like, filmmaking for me, this is a movie that's, like, really exciting to me in terms of a debut. Because there's a lot going on. There's a lot of experimentation uh, with the visuals, a lot of playfulness with the visuals, given, you know, the pretty serious subject matter. Uh, just a lot of stuff going on. Just trying, like... And that's what it seems like here with Skinner Myers is like, he's just trying a whole bunch of different things. Throwing it all at the walls, just seeing what yeah. sticks. And most of it sticks for me. Most oh, of it works. Uh, you know, it was, it was very engaging. It was highly entertaining. And, and it kind of kept you on your toes with the, the way that he kind of maintains a level of interest by incorporating these new things. And like, cause at a certain point you're just like, you know what, there's, I feel like anything's possible. Like he, you know, it could just be a simple voiceover, but it also could be coupled with a, an homage to Tarkovsky that doesn't really make sense. Like you don't really need to do that, but it works. And there's just a lot of stuff like that. Whereas like, you know what, you know, the experimentation, who knows what's coming around the corner. Yeah. I, I, I love the 16 millimeter. First of all, any movie that's, shot on 16 millimeter gets instant bonus points for me i i I liked all the visual flourishes i loved the just the the visual of him you know sleeping and like kind of suspended in the air that every time that they would go back to that shot i would i was loving it and i just think that that skinner myers is an incredibly talented individual who needs i mean can't sleep on this guy like this 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 guy is, he's going places, no doubt about it. I mean, the fact that he wrote, directed, stars in this movie probably did other aspects of it that I don't have in front of me, but, like, the dude is extremely talented, and I can't wait to see what he does next, and I think that this is a really uh, strong feature yes. debut from him. Really good starting point. Yeah. Really starting point. I think that the, the subject matter is very challenging. And I think that the subject matter does lend itself to discussion and perhaps a really deep conversation. I just think coming f from a, you know, white man that has had a lot of privilege in his life, I just don't think that I'm the right person to have that kind of conversation at least not with ha without no. having the right kind of no. representation in no. the conversation especially, especially when that conversation is in concert with another and with the pretty much the same exact background as you yeah yeah <laughs> you know but i would say that there probably are there probably are videos up i would guess about this movie already and if not maybe some articles written maybe there's maybe there's some reviewers that wrote it that uh, are people of color who would be better sources to discuss what is explored in this movie i just i don't think that it would be correct for us to to get into it yeah but for, from the filmmaking standpoint very exciting Absolutely, yeah. Let's give this one a score. What are you going to give The Sleeping Negro out of 10? 
I'm going to give it an eight. I'm going to give it a, I'm at like a seven and a half, eight on this one okay. as well. I'll say seven and a half. This feels like uh to me, this movie feels like an oscilloscope. I could see a oscilloscope picking this one up. I like this as our new thing. I like it too. I see this as more of a, a array. I could see a ray. Yeah. I think that the only thing that, that makes me hesitate on array is the, it's a little bit more abrasive. Like it's a little bit more experimental and it's a little bit more adult. I see this as kind of like an extension of them picking up residue, yeah. which was also a dance. I feel because this movie felt kind of like the kind of capturing that that time period, uh, like the USC filmmaking from mm-hmm. the 70s with Jeremiah. We'll see. We'll see. It's definitely going to get picked up, though. 100%. It will get picked up. LA Rebellion film movement is what I was trying to think of. Yes. Kind of reminded me of that. Let's go through and do a quick watch list section. I only have a couple things that I can mention. Uh, more more like warnings than anything, I would oh. say. <laughs> All right. Interesting. Tom and Jerry. This is directed by Tim Story. Came out. Uh, it came out this weekend on HBO Max. So it's one of the the Warner Brothers ones. Mm-hmm. Avoid avoid this. You know, I I gave this a look because I like the classic Tom and Jerry cartoons. I grew up with Tom and Jerry. Uh, still to this day, find a lot of enjoyment out of the old cartoons. Uh, so I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm gonna watch this. I'm gonna keep an open mind. This is not a movie that I probably would go see in theaters, but since it's on HBO Max, I was like, yeah. Why not? Why the hell not? It's so bad. It's uh, t- to me, this was like a complete nightmare of a movie. I had, I had such a hard time staying interested in this because it was just so boring to me. <laughs> like I just could not get into it, and it was so cringy. Uh, everything that happens in this movie is just like pop, like lame pop culture references, and the soundtrack was comprised of like these pop songs that are not going to be relevant in a year's time and a lot of the a lot of the music didn't go with what was happening in the scene and and it's funny because like the movie starts off with them playing uh can i kick it tribe called quest and i was like oh man i'm gonna have okay that's uh, an interesting choice tom and jerry movie tribe called quest but I'm kind of down for it. And then they play like another, they play a couple other like old school hip hop songs. And I'm like, okay, but they don't, they still, they still don't really match what's going on. And I don't know, man, it's just really rough. And I had a really hard time with it. Even it, even for a kid's movie, I just think that it's not enjoyable. I did like the, the animation. It, I think it's CG, but they kind of make it look like 2d, you know, Roger rabbit style. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple scenes that I thought looked really good. Um, there's a scene where Tom is trying to get into the hotel and it's raining outside and like his, his fur is all like wet, but he still looks like he's sort of uh, like 2d, like hand drawn animate animated. And that, that effect looks really good. 
So there's like, and, and there's some funny hijinks to be had, but overall, uh, I just can't recommend Tom and Jerry. Also, Jerry is such an a-hole in this movie. Like, Jerry's just a straight-up prick in this movie. No redeeming qualities. No. Did you hear? No. It's, it's just bad. It's bad. All right. Well, I got some short films from Slam Dance. So I did get, I did uh, cram in a bunch of short films. So I'm going to, I'm going to, the highlights. Yeah. Um, yeah. Give me, uh, give me some rapid room, fire. Rumine is Roses. Uh, this is by Navid Sanaki. This is, it's short, six minutes. It's a really unique story though. So this is a gay Iranian man recounting his first relationship and the love letters from that relationship. Now, the love letters that he got from his lover like secreted away in DVD menus. So his lover would make, you know, bootleg DVDs and he would make these like bespoke DVD menus <laughs> for these movies or TV shows. They might be Seinfeld. It might be a classic Hollywood movie. It could be any number of things within the DVD menu would be like his love letters to him. So it's just this guy going through and you get to see the DVD menus and him like navigating them and everything. And like all the little secret, like hidden meetings and stuff that are, that are tucked away in the DVD menus is really interesting. And it's great. Like the DVD menus are like 1995 style, like (laughs) very early, early DVD menus, just incredible stuff. Uh, Another one is, Opera, directed by Eric O. This is an animated short film, about eight minutes. This is just like on a technical level, this is just incredible because it's a massive pyramid, right? That essentially is kind of showcasing like the entire history of mankind and all of its different aspects, you know, death, birth. Uh, education, you know, all this stuff, farming, whatever it is. So it starts off at the top of the pyramid and slowly pans out. And as it's, you know, pulling out, it's going down the pyramid to the very, very base, you know, top to bottom. And the entire time that it's doing this, the entire, it's all of it is animated and everything is happening constantly. So it's just a constant stream of animation. And it's just, it's incredible. Like, I don't know how the hell he pulled it off because it goes the whole way down to the bottom. And of course there's war at the end and that kind of, well, not at the end, it's kind of like the midpoint. And then it goes back up the pyramid as like the mankind goes through like a renewal process. Oh, this sounds really fascinating. It's fucking insane. Uh, Another one, another animated Short, seven minutes long. Uh, a Family That Steals Dogs by John C. Kelly. This is this was a big one for me. I thought this was pretty much incredible. Uh, number one, the 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 art style is really up my alley. Uh, so it's him kind of recounting stories about his family. It was you know he's going home for a funeral, and his brother and his sister steal a dog. And that kind of makes him come to this realization that, like, his family had a shit ton of dogs growing up. And, like, he's now he's just starting to wonder, like, did his family just steal dogs? Hmm. Is, 
that like what they did all the time and why and but he blends that into like him trying to figure out his own identity um his thoughts on grief and mental illness and of course his family and all these things that are kind of encapsulated in this this moment of self-realization of his family is maybe a family that steals dogs maybe that's their thing that that also sounds really interesting. See, short films, gotta love them. Uh, another one, uh, Christopher Jason Bell did have a short film at Slam Dance. It's called Trammel. Uh, this is, I thought that this was really great as well. This is eleven minutes. Um, the main character Dale kind of lives, you know, he lives in a small town, very solitary life, not a whole lot going on. The only thing he really has going for him is. He has his conversations with the local pharmacist, Muhammad. Uh, they're pretty one-sided. It's more so just him standing and telling a shit ton of stories to Muhammad while he's trying to do his work. And Muhammad just, you know, kind of chimes in here and there. Um, I felt really connected to this one because I've been on that, that side of things in numerous of uh, my employment. It's numerous places. Adam knows this, that I don't really talk that much. Yeah. Some people, for some reason, people really like talking to me. So I've had a lot of cigarette breaks that play out like the, the short film tram. Just maybe, a long time. <laughs> maybe it's because <laughs> if you're not talking, they think you're listening. Yeah. I mean, I'm a decent listener, but there are times where I'm just like, I, I don't care. Not today, there, like, like, there's a guy that, at, I mean, he's retired now. He doesn't work there anymore. But every cigarette break was just him telling me stories that I just did not care at all. And I just wanted him to leave me alone. And he never would. He was your best friend. Your best work friend. Yeah. Except one of the stories like, oh, this morning I took a shit in my yard. <laughs> like, why, why would you tell someone that? <laughs> one, why would you do it? Two, why would you tell someone? And three, why would you tell me more details of that story? I, I kind of want to know. I, I kind of want to know about this, this yard <laughs> shitting situation now. <laughs> oh, you had a lot of stories like that. A lot of stories like that. So there you go. There's, a, there's where my rapid fires. All right. The only other one I'll mention is uh, another warning. This is a movie called Shook, which is on Shudder right now. Uh, it's about, it's, this is directed by Jennifer Harrington and it's about a, an Instagram influencer who is dog sitting for her sister and someone, someone in the, in the neighborhood has been like killing dogs. So she's like, so that's why. Uh, her sister was like, you know, just can you watch him while I go? Her, her sister's sick and she needs to go out of town for this treatment. And so anyway, she's she's pet sitting and uh, she ends up getting terrorized by someone who claims that they are, are like kidnapping her friends and like torturing them and forcing her to make these really tough decisions. And then they start going after her and it just all kinds of twists and turns and 
it's just a it's just a whole crazy situation that this person's in and I really hated every minute of this movie. I didn't give two shits about a single person in this movie. None of them, I mean, like their sort of Instagram personas, like none of it felt real or authentic in any way. And uh, it's just, it's just, it's just a shitty time all around. Like there's nothing really new or original here. And I didn't really enjoy a single minute of it. Also, there's a, a dog death in it. You don't see the dog getting killed, but you see pictures of the dead dog, and it's just uh, don't even waste your time, as Ryan would say. So again, yeah, that's Shook. If you have Shutter, you can watch it on there. However, I would just not not recommend it. Okay, I have one one more, and that was last night. As you know, I watched. Uh, what's it called again? Why don't you just die? Yeah. Is that what it's called? Oh yeah, yeah, the Russian one. Yeah, man, this was a lot of fun. <laughs> I had fun with this guy. This is, it was from reading about it and everything. I was like, okay, I kind of had it built up in my mind as what I was really hoping it to be. And it turned out to be pretty much that to a T, which is great. The only thing that I thought was kind of interesting to me that was different. It like on the era streaming service, it was like, you know, with shades of Tarantino and this and that. But for me, like the the main influence that I got is it felt like a Genoa movie. Yeah, you know, like, I Genoa did like hyper violence. I actually, I can see that. I can definitely see that because there was this like weird visual charm to it. Yeah, like like yeah, it's like, like a quirkiness. It's there was like a quirkiness to it. Yeah, there's it's it's there's an extreme playfulness. To the visuals that was juxtaposed with the, you know, with the, the horrible violence that's being inflicted on everyone, and there also had that kind of like greenish yellow mm-hmm. to it that Geno yeah. movies had in the past. So, yeah, the like, the yeah, it like just worked for me. The apartment, like the apartment where it, it took place, just it, yeah, it, it definitely had that that kind of vibe to it. I can I can totally totally see that. I really, I really that, enjoyed this movie too. Yeah, it's just, it's a great time, and I like how it just kind of like kept unfolding. They kept adding like another, another wrinkle to it with a, you know, the introduction of characters and kind of giving you a backstory, mm-hmm. like how all of it's culminating together. This is really interesting. I really enjoyed it. The hell of a, hell of a ride. Yeah, if you're not familiar, it's it's a it's a Russian film about a a young guy who goes over to his girlfriend's house to meet her parents. And it just very quickly escalates to (laughs) like completely ridiculous levels where the, the guy and the father end up basically trying to kill each other. Yes. And it just, it's a, Largely shot in one location, if I remember correctly. It's mostly inside the apartment. And it's just... Very, uh, very stylized. Yeah, it just it just keeps keeps escalating, and it, it's, it's a really good time. Uh, and that's on the Arrow streaming service. I think it's just called Arrow, which is kind of confusing. Mm-hmm. Yes. But, again, I would recommend that 
that streaming yeah. service that when it when it first launched i didn't recommend it when it first launched because that their lineup was not like great out of the box like i was kind of yeah. i was kind of thinking like oh man they're gonna like add their whole library to this thing and they might at some point but they're like they're it's kind of smart like from a business perspective like they're kind of rolling it out month month by month so they so every month they're adding a few more of their catalog titles to it along with some like new movies and eventually i would imagine that their whole library will be on there but and also like i'm sure that there's like rights issues like streaming rights compared to like home media rights and stuff like that probably yeah at any rate the their collection is is growing and it's to the point now like when i when i saw what they were offering i was like okay now's now's the time where i could go in on this and um you know buy have it for at least a couple months all right let's talk about some vod releases on the first we have playing with power the nintendo story that's on crackle so check it out on crackle crackle still a thing that's still a thing still around there's somebody owns crackle i can't remember what company owns them they have like a large parent company i think that keeps them alive but at any rate soul entertainment incorporated oh that's right yeah chicken soup for the soul that's the one wow (laughs) they they release like movies too i did i don't know if you've ever seen yeah there was something recently because i just recently learned of this being a thing yeah they there's like a they they own several companies like they bought up several production companies and stuff and you'll see like underneath the logo like i can't remember the specific ones but you'll see underneath the logo it'll say a chicken soup for the soul company or whatever (laughs) uh so this is like a five-part documentary series on the history of nintendo so you can check it out crackle's free by the way so you can watch that one for free. I think there's ads in it. Biggie, I got a story to tell. This is on Netflix. This is the uh, Notorious B.I.G. Rock Doc. Uh, Dementor comes out on the second. This is directed by Chad Crawford Kinkle. This is his follow-up to, to Jar Jug, Jug Face. Almost a Jarhead. <laughs> Jug Face, which came out many years ago, but uh, was was a pretty solid lo-fi indie horror and this one i talked about on the show a while back i saw this at a festival last year and was a little bit disappointed with it mm-hmm. it's got some creepy stuff in it but uh overall i i don't know just something about it rubbed me the wrong way we also have the world to come that's a uh, 19th century romance we got Black Holes, The Edge of All We Know. It's a documentary about black holes. Uh, we have Little Rona. This is the one that came out on Shudder. So this is available on Shudder right now. It's a horror film that... Uh, not the not the other one. There were two Little Rona's that came out. This is the good one, not the, not the mm-hmm. bad one. Uh, this, okay. is, this is the one that was nominated for some Golden Globes. Ooh. Uh, so that'll be on VOD if you don't have Shudder. On March 4th, we have Lucky coming out on Shudder. This is the one that stars Bria Grant. And it's sort of a... It's sort of a 
time loop movie in a way, but but not really. It's um basically the the plot is that it's it's about a couple and every night a killer comes to to kill them in their sleep and they have to kill this person every single night and they come back every night without fail. Huh. So it's there's a little bit of a kind of time loop thing going on. I'm very interested in this. This is also written by Bria Grant. And uh, yeah, this is one that I tried to see. They played a bunch of festivals and I, I tried to catch it, but it always uh, eluded me. So I'll be happy to check that out this week. On the 5th, we have The People versus Agent Orange. This is a virtual theatrical release. This is a documentary about um, the fact that they're still using Agent Orange as a pesticide and People all over the country are getting sick and having all kinds of really bad problems, causing birth defects and stuff like that from it. Still using Agent Orange. We're still, dude, that's still a thing. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Hey, uh, we have Keep an Eye Out hitting virtual theaters, virtual cinemas. Yeah, what? Yeah, it's coming out, finally coming I, out in the US. I don't, like it already kind of did. Did it? Well, I mean, like, it was on movie for a while. Was it? Yeah, like, that's how we saw it. And that was, like, back in 2018. <laughs> that's why I got so confused, because I started getting emails for this. Yeah, I don't know. Um, really threw me. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what that's all about, but it's directed by Quentin Dupio. Highly recommend it. Check it out if you, oh, yeah. if you missed it Definitely. on whenever it was on movie or whatever that was. Uh, we have Night of the Kings. This is uh, going to be... Uh, no, this looks like it's just going to be a straight-up VOD, maybe? I'm not sure. Uh, this is a Neon-released movie. I think we have a trailer... Uh, sorry, review for this up on the site right now. Heard good things. We have Stray coming out. This is the documentary about uh, stray dogs in... I think it's Turkey. Yeah. In Turkey. Also in the second, we have The Orphanage. This is uh, part of a, I think it's like a five film series that this director is doing about the history of Afghanistan. And this one is like a coming of age story that takes place in the late 80s. It's kind of interesting. Uh, We have Undertow also on the second. Some kind of thriller. We got The War and Peace of Tim O'Brien. The documentary about the author Tim O'Brien. We have World War II: The Long Road Home. This is uh, based on a true story. It's a war movie. It's directed by a 16-year-old kid. Uh, it looks very low quality. Huh. Like I, I give him props for being so young and directing a war movie, but yeah. We also have 1942: Unknown Battle coming out on the same day on the second. This is also a war movie. World War II. This is a Russian war movie. If you watch the trailer, the trailer is dubbed in English, and it is maybe some of the worst dubbing I've heard in several years. It's so bad. The movie looks decent, but at least in the trailer, this dubbed trailer, oh my goodness, it's bad. We have The Curse of the Blind Dead. This is uh, some kind of like action horror movie from the looks of it. The The... the poster looks like they're totally ripping off Assassin's Creed which is kind of funny 
Uh, we also have Sophie Jones on the second. Oscilloscope is putting this out. This is a, a drama, a sort of a coming-of-age drama from the looks of it about a um, teenager who is dealing with the loss of a parent. It looks pretty heavy. It looks good, but it looks pretty heavy. On the third, we have Moxie coming out on Netflix. This is a comedy uh, directed by Amy Poehler. Sort of a teen, teen comedy. Looks like, I don't know, could be good. Also on Netflix, on the 5th, we have Sentinel. This is a French French film, action movie from the looks of it. Okay. Uh, the big one, Coming to America, coming out on Amazon Prime. That's on the 5th. Oh, watch out. Watch out. Yeah. I mean, we know. We already know what we're covering next week. Also on the 5th, we have Boogie. This is uh, produced by Eddie Wang. This is... Um, about a, a basketball, a Chinese basketball player in New York. Looks like maybe it could be good. I don't know. Hmm. That show, uh, Fresh Off the Boat, really just kind of fell off. Heavy. Did you ever watch that? Uh, no. It was good. Like the, it was the like the first maybe two seasons were really solid, and then something happened. Like he left the show. And it, I don't know, some, something got weird. Uh, also, let's see. We have Lost Course. This is a virtual theatrical release as well. This is a documentary about a small village in China where uh, the there was some kind of corrupt election and then the, the villagers sort of banded together and overthrew the elected officials or something. Looks... Like it could be a good. We have Dreamcatcher. This is some kind of slasher movie that involves a character named DJ Dreamcatcher. What? <laughs> yeah. Uh, DJ Dreamcatcher. DJ Dreamcatcher. Can you imagine if. Oh, God. I really hope that there is no real life DJ Dreamcatcher because that's the worst DJ name I've ever heard. We have The Devil DJ. Below. This is a. Some some kind of horror uh, horror horror movie looks decent. Looks like a creature feature about a bunch of uh, coal miners in Appalachia, and there's some kind of creature in the mines or something. Uh, we have the affair. It's a Czechoslovakia. It takes place in the 1930s in Czechoslovakia. We have Fukushima 50. This is a. This is about the uh, Fukushima Daiichi uh, nuclear power plant disaster that happened in what was that? Twenty eleven. I can't remember when that happened. Yeah. Uh, either um, way, uh, it's a it's it's a dramatic uh, retelling of that. When was it? Twenty eleven. Okay, was right. Was a complete guess, by the way. That's it for VOD on Blu-ray this week. We have Monster Hunter coming out. That was the one, the Mila Jovovich, Paul W.S. Anderson one that actually, for some reason, released in theaters and nobody saw it because of COVID and also because it's bad. We have Cthulhu Mansion from 1992. Never heard of that, but I'll be looking into it. We got Satan's Blood from 1978. Dark Tower from 1989. She's the Man from 2006. Wow. Starring Amanda Bynes and Channing Tatum. 
That's the 15th anniversary edition of She's the Man. <laughs> I wonder how many people are celebrating the 15th year anniversary. I should. Movie. We should. Guess we could. Do a bonus, like a bonus podcast that's all about She's the Man, 15th anniversary. No. Uh, no. Uh, let's see. We have... Crazy Samurai 400 versus 1. I'm wondering if this is... I mean, this has to be... Yeah, it is. It is Crazy Samurai Musashi. They changed the name to Crazy Samurai 400 versus 1. That is a... That's a, that's a bad idea. Why would you not just keep the name Crazy <laughs> Samurai Musashi? Like, that's a good title. But Crazy Samurai 400 versus 1 is garbage. Yeah. Uh, the Zappa documentary comes out. Uh, we have Scare Me coming out. That's the one that came out on Shudder last year. A lot of people liked it. wasn't for me. Uh, Fatal comes out. That, that Pinocchio movie that just kind of slipped under the radar that came out last year is coming out. Liberté. Let's see. Half Brothers. 400 Bullets. After the Rain. Spelled R-E-I-G-N. The the War and Peace of Tim O'Brien. That's about it. What about Criterions? Uh, Zero. No Criterions. All right. No Criterions. Take a break, guys. In that case, I think uh, that'll do it. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, consider giving us a review on iTunes. We'd appreciate that very much. For Kevin Reichstraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.